three, two, one. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Real You Podcast. I am your host with the most Blaine Ward. Back uh, another week, another day, another guest with me today. Um, not right, not intentionally. That was not uh, planned. Um, my buddy Will. Will, how are you, man? I'm doing quite well, Blaine. Doing quite well. It's been That's, a good day. You know, it's so nice to have nice weather. You know, I do not miss the cold at all. I'm ready for the summer vibes. Unfortunately, school is not done, so I can't feel the summer vibes. But we're getting close. We're getting close. Almost yeah, we're getting there. We're getting right. there. So, Will, for people who don't know who you are, uh, can you give us a couple of your favorite movies to get a general sense okay. of taste for all the beautiful, beautiful listeners out there? All right. Uh, well, my favorite, I, I always like to categorize my favorite movies into uh, three little categories. Uh, mm-hmm. So, there's the movie that hit me in all the right emotional spots. It's like the only movie that's ever made me ball like a baby. Uh, and that would be Empire of the Sun. Oh, that's, okay. okay. That's a Christian Bale's first movie. He was 13 years old. It hits all the heartstrings. Very well made. Steven Spielberg, highly recommended. Um, but I watched that for the first time in about a decade uh, over the summer. And I forgot all about like how just how emotional it was. So I was watching <laughs> it with my family. And I, I, by the end of it, I was, I was bawling on the couch. Um, and then there's my favorite movie in terms of entertainment, like, uh, like what I think is the most entertaining movie I've seen, like also nostalgic, like I, it's, I, it's been around since I was really little, I was very introduced to it very young, and that would be Top Gun, which we Whoa. will talk about, uh, <laughs> we'll be talking about that a little bit later. Um, but that one, yeah, that one's definitely, that holds a really special place in my heart. But then, then there's the movie that I think, I think is one of, if not the greatest movies ever made. Uh, and that would be Clint Eastwood's 1966 classic, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Okay. Like old, like classic Western, one, like the greatest film standoff in the history of cinema. Um, it's the third movie in a trilogy, but you don't need to have seen the first two movies to fully like appreciate this one. It's it's fantastic. I love that movie a lot. Um, this is very well made. I truly believe it to be one of the best movies ever put to s- screen. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, you're never more intimidated by a hard stare from Clint Eastwood. I feel like if that man looked at me with the stare, he would peer into my soul and I think I would melt on the spot. Wholeheartedly um, agree. Which, you know, not a bad way to go out, all things considered. With the, with the scowl and he's got the, he's got the cigar. He always acts like he has a cigar, even though he never really has a cigar in his mouth. And yeah. his eyes are always squinting. I'm like, can you even see out of there? Yeah, yeah. Dude got crow's feet at the age of seven. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. I mean, you can't go wrong with Clint Eastwood Western. Those are always the best. Um, and the good man, the young way, I completely agree. It's the best of the trilogy. It's also just a good movie. I don't think you need the other two of the trilogy just for it to, you know, fly on its own. Um, all right. So we're just going to jump into things. We got a lot to talk about. This past weekend, Memorial Day weekend was like maybe like the biggest media weekend that we've had in quite some time um, as far as just kind of big properties go. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I brought Will on today to just kind of chat about him, just see uh, what our general thoughts were on a couple things and then spoil the thoughts on other things. But, you know, we'll just jump right into it. Uh, First off, we have uh, the new Disney Plus Star Wars show, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Which I Obi-Wan thought, I, I, for the longest time, I just called it Kenobi. I didn't know the whole yeah. thing was Obi-Wan Kenobi. I wish it was called Kenobi. Um, 
Regardless, uh, Ewan McGregor returns in uh, this Disney Plus TV show. Do we? Is it getting a second season or is it just a miniseries? Do we it, know? It's been it's been titled a limited series in all the advertising and okay. everything. It's it's said a six episode uh, limited series. Yeah, well, so, that's how, that's the case. Um, this is the first time we're seeing Ewan McGregor in live action since 2005. Uh, you know, obviously, for people who are aware of Star Wars, uh, the Star Wars timeline, this is after the events of Revenge of the Sith. He thinks Anakin's dead. You know, he doesn't know anything about Darth Vader, and all of a sudden, he's kind of sprung back into action uh, by unforeseen circumstances. Um, so what, what were your general thoughts on Kenobi that we've had so far? And we, as of speaking... I assume we've both seen the first three episodes, correct? Both seen the first, yes. I've, right. I've seen the first three episodes. Okay. So what are your what are your thoughts? We're halfway through, you know, the first batch of it right now. Where are you at? It's, I, so I got to watch it with uh, one of my best friends. We watched it uh, at her house and we're both big Star Wars fans. We're both big Obi-Wan Kenobi fans. So we both had some pretty strong opinions about it. We both think that it is a very intriguing show. We both think that the, uh, the story kind of it came out of nowhere like we didn't expect it to be about what it is about and we're not gonna i'm not gonna go into spoilers here because, yeah it's uh, spoiler free conversation for spoiler people. for a conversation for yeah. obi-wan uh so it's it was an unexpected story but i think it's doing it quite well uh there's a certain child actor in the show who just kills it like she's fantastic she's really funny she's really like quippy and she's exactly how you would expect this character to be so uh, I really like that aspect. I will say some of the dialogue, especially with uh, Ewan McGregor, actually, like Ewan McGregor had, he, he was one of the, he, not one of, he was the best part of the original trilogy. I think you Absolutely. can all agree. Or not right. the original, the prequel, sorry. Uh, right. He was all the crappy dialogue, all the weird stuff he made work, you know, but there's some dialogue in this show that even he can't really make work and it's it's kind of an eyes ear sore really it's kind of an ear sore um when he'll say something and it's just like why would anyone say that why would obi-wan say that why would he say it like that um and then there are some characters who i'm still not entirely sold on there's a new uh inquisitor in this show that's not a spoiler that's in the yeah, trailer, yeah, so. yeah. but she's a little headstrong i guess you can say like it's it's just one of those characters where like they're so stubborn and they're so aggravating to watch and like kudos to the actor by the way like they're yeah. they're doing they're doing great with this however it's just every time they're on screen i get angry <laughs> and it's not in those like love to hate them kind of situations it's like they're just it feels like they're being stubborn for the sake of being stubborn Sure. Uh, like they go against orders left and right. They uh, always come up with their own plans. They're just trying. It's so strange. And you kind of, you get their motivation in the third episode. You find out why they're doing what they're doing, but it's still not entirely clear, I guess. Like it still feels a little off. And I just hope that the writing and all that stuff gets a bit better with uh, each episode. I mean, we got three left, so. I can't imagine how it would get worse. Yeah. But so yeah. I I was this has been kind of the one big Disney project that I kind of have my 
eyes on um as far as like what they've just announced like several thousand star wars shows and you know this one kind of picked my interest i'm like okay you mcgregor's back i gotta bring him back for a reason like okay what are they gonna do with this and originally this was supposed to be a movie back when uh you know star wars was in their theatrical phase with the sequel trilogy they had plans for an obi-wan movie and I kind of wish that's what we had instead of the TV show, at least as far as we're at right now. I don't know if the story has entirely justified itself in the episodic format. Um, right. I don't hate it. I think it's fine. Um, and I think Ewan McGregor is very good. Uh, what they're doing in the show is interesting enough to have me keep watching. Um, you know, I will not say anything more, but Peyton Christensen is in the cast and I've been interested to see how they utilize him. Um as far as like where the show's going, uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I, there's something kind of stopping me halfway, and I don't know what it is exactly. It just feels like something's off about it, you know. I, I, I feel like, I don't know. So it looks kind of cheap for a Star Wars movie. It yes, that's a, that's a, that's a note my friend had. Uh, she pointed out in like the first episode. She just said like so many of the sets felt like really fake. Yeah, um, there's not a lot of like aliens that we see running around. Um, right, there is okay. There is a character in the second episode who uh, my friend asked me about him, and I thought I loved it. She was a little torn on it. I personally love this character, and I, this isn't really a spoiler because it's not a major character. It's like a background character. There's a bounty hunter in the second episode who looks like they're in a department store like lizard costume. <laughs> um and i saw that and i loved it because it felt like such classic star wars it felt sure. like like yeah. in the in a new hope the cantina scene like you walk in and sure you got you got the uh, the band playing and they got like hollywood grade makeup on they look like a whole new species but then there's like a guy in a in a in a spirit halloween werewolf mask just like walking around there's a guy with uh like snl kind of style like devil makeup on they just look like it's so seeing this character like you can you can tell it was uh not a it wasn't a weak design but like it was designed to look cheap with an updated look i guess if that makes any sense yeah um so she she didn't like it because she felt it looked too cheap too cheesy i loved that about it though i thought that really like that made me feel like i was watching a classic star wars movie again right yeah uh yeah. And I, I think Ewan McGregor is doing a great job. Um, mm. I, I think he's the best part of the show so far. Um, and I'm again, I'm interested to see what what they're going to do with Hayden Christensen down the line. Um, I yeah, I guess I'm just hesitant on what makes like why they had to go the series route. Um, right. At least as far as we're in right now, we're halfway through the show. Who knows? Maybe these next three episodes will kick major ass and we'll be like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Um, and there's some good stuff in there. Uh, the cameo game is fairly strong. Uh, you know, Kamel Nanjiani shows up uh, for a bit part in the second episode. And I really liked him. He was um, fun. He was a fun part. Of it. I, I didn't know who he was going to play because they only showed like one shot of him in the trailer. And it was yeah. just a close up of his face. Gave zero hints as to what he was going to be. And then when I found out what he was, it was perfect for Kamel Nanjiani. Right. I completely agree. Yeah. You utilize his skill set very well. Uh, I like yeah. the child actor in the show a lot. I think uh, the child is doing a good job. Yeah, I guess I'm just cautiously optimistic. And again, Star Wars has become like the most toxic uh, fan base on the planet. So any opinion is bound to piss someone off. Um, yeah. But I, 
I mean, I, I'm I, again. I'm st- I'm sticking with it. I didn't watch Book of Boba Fett, but I'm watching this. Um, okay, just, I was gonna I was gonna ask you where would you rank it with Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett in terms uh, of uh, uh, you haven't seen Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, it's probably lower than the Mandalorian, but I didn't love Mandalorian season two. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I thought it was fine until the end, and I was kind of off after that. Um, but it I, just I, felt like a lot of side quests, you know. Well, Mandalorian season two. My problem with that was it just felt like every episode they were introducing like a character that you're supposed to be like, Oh, look, it's, it's Ahsoka. It's Boba Fett. And I mean, Ahsoka was cool. Like, don't get me wrong. That was sick. But by the end, you know, and I, I, this is like two years old now. Everyone who's seen it knows, but like Luke Skywalker shows up and I was like, really out of everyone, him. um, And I'm just thinking the Skywalker's at this point. However, uh, I, yeah, I guess I'm cautiously optimistic on Kenobi. Um, I don't hate it by any means. And I think there's enough going for it that'll keep me interested, but I just certainly hope that they, they they have the back half of the show. Like, yeah. the, um, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. But who knows? Uh, okay. So moving on to the other big streaming release, uh, the fourth season of Netflix's flagship show, Stranger Things, um, was made Volume available. One. Volume, Volume one. one. Yeah. The first, what, seven out of nine? Seven out of nine. Yeah. Seven out of nine. Uh, so we haven't seen Stranger Things since 2019. And uh, yeah, so in that time, you know, obviously COVID, but also Netflix has been just chucking money at uh, this show. <laughs> it's got and it, like the, one of the highest budgets for a TV season ever, higher than most seasons of Game of Thrones. Um, and all these episodes, a lot of them are over an hour mark, some of them being feature length. Uh, so that was intimidating walking into it. Um, well, where do you stand at uh, as far as Stranger Things as a whole? And then where do you stand at this season? Uh, you, uh, I just want to make sure you've watched all of volume one. Correct? Oh yeah. 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 We're both, okay. we're we're both on the same awesome. page. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, stranger things for me, I remember I didn't get into it right when everyone got into it. And I'm not saying like I got into it after everyone, like after it wasn't cool. Uh, right. but, uh, I, w- I, when it came out, I was still, I was, I was not big on horror or like scary stuff at that point. I was in eighth grade. And that was when I was kind of transitioning into like, okay, scary things can be cool too, I guess. Like I, I was a huge scaredy cat as a kid. So, oh, it, sure. uh, yeah. and by as a kid, I mean, well into my teen years. So <laughs> um, it wasn't until about a couple of, let's say like three months after the original, after the first season came out, uh, I binged the first seven and a half episodes in one night. There you go. Wow. I was in a hotel in Switzerland. Mm. And I binged the first seven and a half episodes in one night. But then it took me about four weeks to finally finish that last episode. There you go. Uh, I don't know why it took me so long. This was back when I was like juggling six shows at once. I was watching like Bates Motel and uh, I was like just starting How I Met Your Mother and stuff like that. So um, it took me a while to like circle back around to like, oh yeah, Stranger Things is cool, I guess. But then I finished it and I was like, holy shit, like this, this was fantastic. And then season two came out and I'm going to be completely honest. I don't remember much about season two. I remember a lot from season one. Uh, I remember season two being really good, but I can't say I remember much about it. Sure. Um, Season three, however, probably my favorite season of the show. Okay. Um, I loved them bringing the mind flare into like the real world showing like what 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 would a being that is almost entirely psychological like what would that how would that manifest itself in our world 
Mm-hmm. Oh, by a bunch of exploded rat carcasses. Why not, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I loved, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, Carrie Elvis? Yeah. Elvis? Elvis? Uh, yeah, I don't know how to say it. We yeah. know who he is. Uh, Princess Bride. Yeah, uh, Princess Bride, Saw Guy. Yeah, exactly. He's, uh, he was great in that show. I think he was fantastic as the mayor. And whereas a lot of shows I feel get weaker the more characters they introduce uh case in point the flash i feel like like oh, they sure. get really yeah. weak throughout the seasons as they introduce more characters i think with with stranger things as more and more people become aware of the upside down and how they like them getting dragged into it they do it in such a natural way that you don't even realize like if like you don't even realize how big the cast really is unless you like sit down and think about it right because you still think of like the original kids and they're like yeah it's just them but then you're like oh wait no now there's uh now there's max now there's um oh why am i forgetting her name robin now there's robin i love robin robin's probably my favorite, one of my favorite characters in the show uh and then you have depaul alumni joe keery in the show of course, of and course. uh he's fantastic uh so yeah, I like I like how big the cast is getting and because they all play off of each other very well and they all have a reason for being there. They're not just thrown in to be like, oh, look, here are these cool new characters. It's like they all have a reason to be there as the uh, as the upside down gets more dangerous and as it like is expanding its reach and stuff. So then that brings us to season four, where of course now you have, uh, we're not going into the spoiler territory, right? Yeah. No. Okay, so now you have a couple new characters. Um, some are you are there for the long run. Others uh, are not there for very long, even though it feels like they're going to be, but then they kill them off within like the first episode. Not naming names, but uh, they do they do quite a bit of bait like bait and switching this season, and I I dig it. I like it a lot. I think they're getting really bold. Uh, I think it's only a matter of time before they kill one or more main cast members um personal personal prediction i think steve's gonna die i think i think steve is gonna die that's my own personal belief based on some stuff and uh yeah i really like this season and i think i do have one nitpick i know i've been talking for a really long time but (laughs) um this last last thing i'll say about this season every single episode is over an hour long yep normally with a show juggling as many plot lines as stranger things because all the characters are like split up like you're you're following like four completely different plot lines at the same time and they don't show it like one plot line per episode like they juggle them each episode i think they're doing that very well also mm-hmm. because they always cut away at a point where you are waiting to see what happens next but what they cut to is something you've also been waiting to see the conclusion to. So it's like a weird trade-off where like, no, but like what's going to happen to 11? Oh, wait. Yeah. I forgot. Hopper's also here. He's got something going on too. I forgot. Let's see what goes on there. And then when they cut back to what you were just saying, like, why didn't they like keep on that? Like, why didn't they keep on that? When they eventually cut back to it, you've kind of forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. so when they cut back to it you're like oh yeah i forgot oh my gosh this is still going on too um and it's just this really great way 
of keeping you engaged and something and a show that does something similar is young justice uh the animated dc show sure, yeah. a lot of plot lines keeps cutting between them and i think shows that can figure out how to do that well are really good shows so stranger things for yeah you get hour plus long episodes the last episode of volume one being an hour and 40 minutes long goodness gracious yeah um <laughs> it still keeps you engaged and there are a lot of like gasp moments of like oh my god and it's uh it's great i i really like the show uh, yeah if you haven't been able to figure that out <laughs> you're good um i think the first season of stranger things i mean obviously it was this huge sensation a huge revelation um i think it's one of the best seasons of television like ever it was just felt really kind of concise the mystery was intriguing the kids were great it had kind of this really good sense of momentum and you wanted to figure out like what was happening what's going on um and obviously like no one could have predicted the cultural impact that that show would have had um and then you know netflix realized that it was this huge property and as it got bigger uh i don't know i i I, i've kind of been on and off with it i didn't love season two i thought it was mostly diminishing returns there are a few good moments um in there sean ashton uh being one of them i thought he was great he was great um as Bob, love Bob. Um, and I think season three, for the most part, was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, obviously that, that, that was kind of when we first started to see kind of jumping around from different character groups and all this sort of thing. Right. Um, my big thing with season three by the end of it was they kind of emotionally cheat you because they're like, oh no, Hopper died. And they read like this really emotional message and you're like, dang, this is sad. And then at the end they're like, and Hopper's alive, sorry. And you're like, what? Like, what was that worth? Um, but so that, that didn't leave a great, uh, I don't know, feel in my stomach afterward. Um, right. so I was a little kind of hesitant for where this season's going. And especially because Stranger Things feels like it's a show where after you watch the season a month later, you don't remember anything. And that's why I was happy right. where season four, when it started, it had like that previously on Stranger Things, uh, really long one too. Yeah. So I was like, oh, right. This guy exists. Oh, right. Yeah. This happened. So I was appreciative of that. Um, and who knows, maybe I'm just speaking for myself here. Uh, I like where Stranger Things 4 is going so far. I actually think it's the strongest season since the first season, um, at least in my opinion. And it really seems like they're really digging into their horror roots for this one. This sh- this season is incredibly violent. <laughs> I am shocked. Um, you know, obviously when you see the TV 14 rating, you're like, eh, they can't get away with a lot. Well, apparently this show, someone must they have They get away with it. Yeah, somebody <laughs> must have bribed Netflix, uh, there are some very gory moments and sequences that I was like, oh my God, I can't believe we're doing this. Um, but no, I, I'm pretty impressed with where it's going. I agree with you. The fact that they're able to juggle as much as they are is uh, to be commended because, you know, normally something like that would fall apart pretty easily. Uh, I think the cast is all doing a great job. Sadie Sink in particular is a standout. Uh, She's incredible. Yeah. She has an episode dedicated to her that is just like phenomenal stuff. Um, and I guess I'm interested to see where it's going. I wish... I don't know. I, I'm starting to wonder if maybe this would have been a better show, like, weekly, like, stretched out weekly. Um, because yeah. that way we still would have ended in July, and we still would have had, like, I don't know, the same time for the finale, but now we're just going to have to wait till July for the finale, and, you know, I, I'm impatient. I like to see my endings uh, now, but I I do enjoy it. I There are some characters that I feel like still don't, people don't know what, the writers don't know what to do with them. Uh, Mike and Will, in particular, like ever since yeah. the first season, I really don't know why they're there. I understand they're the main characters, but it doesn't really feel like they have a reason other than, oh, I'm Eleven's boyfriend, you know that sort of thing. Um, I agree with I agree with 
Mike. Will, I feel like there is a lot they could do with him, but they're for some reason choosing not to. Like he's the only kid who's like spent a considerable amount of time in the upside down. Like he right. was like, and they utilize that very well in season two. I thought that like actually making him because he actually he didn't do any of the press like with the rest of the kids in the first season. Like he didn't do any of the press because he wasn't in. Yeah, he was a supporting character. Season. Right, yeah. he was a supporting character. So in season two, like he was the main character because like it's dealing with the trauma and the PTSD of uh, being in the upside down for as long as he was. Right. So then in season three, he was still like, I guess it it does kind of feel like they're starting to just ignore the fact that he was down there for that long. Like, I, I feel like, a, yeah, it was a couple of years ago, but he's a kid. Like, that's right. something that would stick with you, you know? Um, so I, I don't know. I feel like Will has a lot of potential that they're not tapping into. Mike, on the other hand, yeah, he really is just kind of Eleven's boyfriend. Yeah, it's weird because Finn Wolfhard was arguably out of the main kid characters. I feel like he's the one that's had the most kind of push as far as his career right. goes. Uh, what with being in like It and uh, the Ghostbusters movie. Um, yep. You know, both 80s nostalgia as well. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I'm enjoying this season. I, I think it was very good. I was very riveted watching a lot of it. Um, and I'm excited to see how they wrap it up, of course. Uh, you know, considering they end part one on kind of this, oh shit moment. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. But I do like it. Uh, you know, probably a, a thumbs up for me as far as that goes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I know they only have one season left and I think that's a good thing. I'm ready for the show to end um, because the kids are getting old. They're getting old. Yeah, they're getting really old. Yeah, so I don't know how much longer they have. But uh, I mean, yeah, it's good. I like it, you know. It's getting the job done. Uh, now, if only Netflix wouldn't throw as much money as to this as they would, you know, their other shows um, and not cancel everything. That'd be great. But whatever. It's their flagship. They got to do what they got to do. And hey, the CGI looks amazing. You know, the money. CGI is fantastic. Oh yeah, exactly. There's no problems there. Um, and especially with it being as ambitious as it is. Again, no spoilers. But there are a lot of moments where I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I didn't know you could do this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and they, real quick, going back to season three in terms of, like, CGI – um, I remember when it first showed the uh, like the, the horrible way of phrasing this the rat carcass monster um, before it turned into the full mind flare like it yeah. was just like that beast in the hall in the hospital hallway. I remember a lot of people kept calling it carnage like they said it looks like uh, the Marvel villain carnage. Uh, and I agreed with I was one of those people yeah I was like this is uh, this, this looks like the Spider-Man villain carnage. But then, um, it act like then actual carnage came out in the second Venom movie, and it looked like shit. <laughs> so like, so like in my heart, in my heart, the rat carcass monster from Stranger Things season three will always be the true carnage that we never got. That's fair. That's fair. You know, I always say if you look at Venom two as a gay rom com, it works a lot better than you know a carnage movie. Um, I haven't actually seen it all the way through. Wow. Um, I mean, I, 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 I will defend it, but not, uh, I will defend it weekly. As soon as someone comes up with a point, I will back down. Um, weekly. Nice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Stranger Things, thumbs up from both of us, I assume. Uh, thumbs up. You know, I'm excited to see how I it ends. It, I give it four and a half out of five Demogorgon faces because they look like stars. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I'm afraid of those Demogorgons, man. They, they're, they're terrifying. scary. 
Um, I would die so easily. Uh, so that brings us into, um, you know, the, the main the main attraction, as it were. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, the new Tom Cruise movie. Ever heard of the guy? Um, you know, arguably the last A-lister that we have left as far as just pure movie star goes. Uh, he has not released any movies to, you know, straight to streaming. The man is a theater first uh, Mongol, and I love him for that. Now, you know, being a Top Gun fan, uh, you have been uh, in kind of this uh, emotional kind of pit of hell, really, waiting for this movie for four years, arguably plus. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, now you've seen it. Now we've both seen it. And, uh, yeah, so Top Gun Maverick, what are your, what, where, where are you at with it? What did you think? Uh, so I thought it was – I thought it was fantastic. I loved it a lot. Um, and – Oh, can, you, can you still hear me? Sorry, okay. I, yeah, my, yeah. my headphones were being a little weird. So, um, no, I I loved it. I I was in the theater. I saw it with my best friend over the weekend, and it was just it was surreal, you know. Because like I was kind of numb. I will say I was kind of numb while watching it. Sure. Um, because like you said, like you said, I was waiting for it for four years. Uh, I was keeping track of it every step of the way, every time it was delayed. You were, you were its number one promoter. You know, I was, I I truly do believe I was its number one promoter. (laughs) I'm still waiting for my check in the mail. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Cause I was posting about it when no one else was posting about it. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) It was, uh, I remember, Oh, I remember when the first teaser poster dropped in 2018, I was a freshman in high school and now I'm a freshman in college and the movie finally came out. Oh my Um, God. But the first poster came out and it was just like Tom, it was a, like a, a blurred picture of Tom Cruise in his uh, Maverick uniform with the helmet and everything. And he was looking at an F-18 in the distance and it was all blurry and stuff. And then it, all it said was feel the need. Mm. And I, that was just the coolest like teaser poster ever. It was, it was released like right when it was the day they started filming. Um, and ever and I was I, I was in science class and I just remember like looking at it. I was like, guys, oh my god, they released the poster and I was like showing everyone and they're like, I've never heard of this movie. <laughs> so I've been like I've been keeping track of this thing since day one. I remember where I was when the first trailer came out. I remember where I was when the second trailer came out. When the third trailer came out, I remember, I remember where I was when it was most recently delayed because that was last summer and i was in i was in florida i was at universal studios orlando and this was around the time when things kind of started like letting up they started getting like like covid restrictions were starting to be lifted we didn't have to wear masks while walking around or like universal anymore which is great um but i was in line to get butterbeer at uh harry potter world oh sure yeah and i was standing on a bridge and i opened and it was a really long line so i opened up my phone to check instagram just to pass the time and the first thing i see when i open up instagram is a post by i think it was like fandom uh you know like uh, fandom on instagram it's a whole thing but uh it just said top gun maverick and both mission impossible sequels have been delayed almost a full year like all of them were delayed almost a full year so and i sad. i punched the bridge 
just fell to my I, knees and hugged me. Yeah. I seriously, like, I punched the bridge and it didn't make me feel any better, but I felt devastated. I was, because it was coming up, it was supposed to come out in, it was November. It was supposed to come out in November of 2021. Right. And then they're like, now nah, we're waiting until May of 2022. And here's the thing. Early on when it started getting delayed, like when COVID first started, I was kind of, I just wanted to see the movie. Yes. I, I, like, I was like, I was like, just release it to streaming. Like, honestly, like I thought the, I thought the quarantine was never going to end. So I was, I was just, just release it to streaming, you know, cut your losses, do it. Yeah. Let me watch the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Thank Christ. They didn't do that. Oh, absolutely. This is like so a big grateful. stream movie. Holy shit, dude. It was incredible. And there were, um, there were things that I was a little worried about, like, uh, because I knew that they were doing most of the, the most of the jet effects practically like that, like they actually flew in the F-18s and all the aerial sequences were actual F-18 Super Hornets flying around. But I knew that at the, like, we can go to spoiler territory with this one, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the movie. Okay. So at the end of the movie, they go up against these enemy fighters and they keep referring to them as fifth generation fighters. They never call them what they actually are. But when you see them, if you know anything about uh, aviation, if you know anything about like fighter jets, like I do, I I I, I love fighter jets; they're awesome. Um, the fifth generation fighter that they go up against in Top Gun Maverick is uh, a Sukhoi Su fifty seven, which is a new multi role stealth fighter from Russia. I knew they couldn't get any actual Sukhois for this movie. So I was terrified that when it showed them, it would be so obvious they were CGI because you had just spent like two hours prior watching real F-18s flying around. So I, just, right. I thought it was going to look, I thought it was going to be an eyesore. I thought it was going to poke out like a sore thumb. I'm sitting in this theater. It's coming up on like the big final set piece, the big final like dogfight, And it cuts to these two, SU-57s in formation with each other and I let out a holy shit. I was not talking this entire movie. Like I was dead quiet and as soon as I saw these jets, I went holy shit because it looked like two actual SU-57s were flying in formation and it was incredible. It was seamless. Like, and then the dogfight happened and you just, you couldn't tell they were fake. Like you thought they were completely real. And I was blown away by that. And like that, my biggest fear is like squashed, you know? Um, and I, I do have to say that that was probably the most intense 30 minutes of my life. That last like set piece and that last final like dog fight, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. Oh yeah. Not, in, not, not only is this one of the best action movies of recent memory, it's yeah. also instantly, instantly cemented itself as one of the best sequels of all time. Um, mm. Now, agree. You know, obviously, your mileage on where you stand on the first Top Gun uh, may vary. You know, um, are inarguably, it's iconic. Um, you know, it's one of the defining movies in the 80s, uh, you know, regardless of how cheesy or uh, however the homoerotic subtext might be. Um, but, I mean, Jesus Christ, dude, what a freaking movie. Uh, it's a movie, yeah. I was sitting there the whole time, and I'm like, man, nobody is doing it better than Tom Cruise. Um, and you would see why it took him a while to, you know, make this. He was like, listen if I'm going to do this, I need to go all out for it. You know, I need these flight sequences to feel real. And in so doing that creates this sense of like, oh my God, I cannot believe what I'm looking at. 
Like, mm-hmm. even though it's completely legit, they're doing it. There's that, sen- there's that, you know, switch in your mind where you're like, I cannot believe what I'm looking at here. This is insanity. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just terrific. Like, the whole time, I was just watching this in awe. My mouth was like slack jawed. I was like, <laughs> for a lot of it. Um, and not only is it just this big, like, spectacle, but also when it needs to be, it really hones in on the characters and the story that drives it home really well. Um, you know, I think it'd be really easy for a movie this size and scope to be kind of, you know, oh, turn your mind off entertainment. But no, like, it's got a crucial story to its center, which I thought was great. So for those who are unaware, Top Gun Maverick, um, this is directed by Joseph Kozinski. Um, Kozinski, yes. Yeah. And uh, he is no stranger to Tom Cruise or legacy sequels. Um, He worked with Tom Cruise in the 2013 sci-fi film Oblivion, and he's done Tron Legacy, uh, you know, this long-awaited sequel to Tron that has some of the best visual effects and soundtrack I've ever seen. Uh, As far as the story goes, I can't remember anything that happens, but I remember it looked great. Um, but yeah, so obviously he just kind of stepped up to Matt for this one. Obviously with the whole kind of Tom Cruise at this point has kind of become a producer of his own movies as well. So I'm sure he had his own input, um, in it, but I mean, you gotta, you gotta give hats off to Kavinsky just for being able to capture all of like the plane sequences and all of the, you know, it just feels like this is a very ambitious movie from minute one, uh, especially in how this film opens with the Mach 10 action sequence. That was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. It was incredible. Immediately, it has a sense of, like, speed and momentum, and it just mm-hmm. never lets up. The movie's, like, two and a half hours long. I, I didn't feel the runtime at all. No. Well, uh, actually, fun fact about that real quick. Uh, the Dark Star, as it's called, the Mach 10 jet that Maverick flies at the beginning of the movie, um, it, they, had an, they had an actual set piece for it. They had an actual, like, prop. Uh, that they used. It was a big life-size model of the actual jet. And apparently China thought that it was a real jet. (laughs) So they moved a satellite so it could look down on the airfield where they were like filming. Wow. Because they thought that America was actually developing this new supersonic surveillance plane. Oh um, and that has to be one of my favorite fun facts <laughs> in, in recent memory. Because <laughs> I saw that I saw that recently, and I just thought it was the funniest thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously, uh, you know, kind of brand new cast here: uh, Miles Teller, Jennifer Connelly, uh, John Hamm, Glenn Powell, Lewis Pullman, uh, Monica Barbaro. Kind of a lot of both new and old comers uh, are back in here. Um, who are the standouts as far as the supporting cast goes for you? Uh, I feel like it goes without saying Rooster, uh, played by Miles Teller. Uh, definitely, definitely like the biggest like standout in the movie because um, he's he not only has to go like toe to toe with Tom Cruise in this movie, like he has to play off Tom Cruise for a majority of the movie. He has to play Goose's son. Like he has to, which is real quick, like. Some of the best casting I've ever seen in my life. He looks like the spinning image. The spinning spinning image image of him. And it's it was incredible. I remember when they announced that he was cast uh back in the summer of 2018. Um he was because it was he was going up against he actually went up against Glenn Powell, who plays Hangman in the movie. Glenn Powell was uh originally in the running to play Rooster, and so was Nicholas Holt uh of X-Men fame. So 
uh, that would have been a, that would have been a completely different movie if Nicholas yeah. Holt was. I don't know if I can see that casting choice. I couldn't see it whatsoever. Uh, but Miles Teller, I was rooting for him from the beginning. This was before I knew who Glenn Powell was. So when I saw the top three, I was like, oh, so I was telling my mom about it. I was like, yeah, so it's Miles Teller, Nicholas Holt, and this other guy I've never heard of before. <laughs> and now, like four-year difference now, Glenn Powell is probably one of my favorite celebrities. Not actors, just celebrities. Like, I love him. Like, what a movie He star. seems like such a down-to-earth guy, you know? No, not. Um. I'd love to do a movie with him. I feel like he and I could play like relatives. I can see that. I I, I feel like that'd be great. I'd watch Um, that. But then that's a good transition into Hangman. Hangman also a huge standout in this movie. He's uh, Maverick and Iceman rolled into one because he's got the antagonistic spirit, but he also has the cockiness and kind of arrogance of maverick everyone's calling him the new Iceman, but really he's more like maverick than he is Iceman, in my own opinion yeah i um, agree with that and he's so like he's obviously supposed to be like a dick but every time yeah. he like smiles i'm like oh this guy I can't be he's such a nice guy you know? yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was so, so nice. charmed i love going how put him in every movie. he's got he's got this like smile where he like you don't see his bottom teeth and his like bottom lip kind of like covers the tip of his top teeth. So it's like this really, it like it, on most other people, you feel like it would be creepy, Yeah, but it's just so soft and sweet on him. It's just so nice. Love the guy. Um, you just want to, you just want to like buy him a milkshake. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I want to hang out with him. Off, like, so you know? bad. Um, yeah, I, I thought they were excellent. And obviously when they, when they need to go, when they need to bring it to kind of match crews uh, at a lot of moments in the movie, I thought both of them were great. Uh, I really enjoyed Jennifer Connelly a lot in this movie, mm-hmm. who, oh my God, has never looked better. That woman has aged like fine wine. Uh, but I heard that Kelly McGill's from the first one was not going to be in this. And I was like, well, uh-oh, um, what's going to happen there? Uh, and I mean, obviously, it's, it's I, 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 I don't really have a, an opinion on her not being in this new one. But I thought Jennifer Connelly was kind of this great, like, nice love interest that really grounded the movie. Uh, no pun intended, I guess. Um, but her little bar that she had was adorable. Her dynamic with mm. uh, Cruz was really sweet. Um, I thought she did a great job. And then just a Lewis Pullman, uh, Bob. Oh, in, uh, Bob. Pilot. Oh, Bob. Listen, Lewis Pullman is so underrated. He's in one of my favorite movies, Bad Times at the El Royale, and I haven't seen him since then. That one's on my list. I haven't seen Bad Times so at the good. El Royale, but so I good it's fantastic. But every time he else... showed up, I was like, yes. Someone else in Top Gun Maverick is in Bad Times, aren't they? Yeah, John Hamm. Yeah. It's John Hamm. Yeah, yeah, John Hamm. Yeah. Right. Which, by the Who way, John Hamm. Everyone's so good. Yeah, John Hamm. Just like he's the most sternest person imaginable, and he never breaks that the entire movie. And I'm like, this is one of their ones. I love this. Threatening. Super but, threatening the entire yeah, time. Yeah. So I think the interesting thing about this movie, um, obviously, the first movie has Maverick as kind of this hot shot pilot who, you know, breaking rules, doing everything left and right. And here you have to put him in the role of like the mentor the teacher because he's right. sending these pilots on sort of this almost suicide mission uh, to take out you know this kind of they never really say what it is it's more like a what radiation facility a nuclear it's a your it's a uranium plant it's a uranium enrichment plant so yeah they're trying to weaponize uh uranium that's what right. the whole point of it was yeah but so you have this dynamic where obviously uh Cruz needs to kind of teach others as opposed to you know um, I don't know, flying it solo. And so that right. creates a good dynamic. You have the goose, uh, the, the Maverick and Rooster dynamic as well, um, where Rooster resents Maverick for, uh, you know, kind of stalling him in his pilot yeah. process by turning away his papers. And I thought all that stuff was really well handled. Um, when I saw Teller in the trailer, 
the only line that he has is like the oh like oh you know my you trust my dad. You and, yeah, yeah and i was like oh god this is gonna be cliche like i don't really hear it right. but i thought they handled that really well and especially in yeah. the third act when the two of them have to team up like it's electric mm-hmm. um but the other thing i appreciated is the entire mission of the movie, the entire third act of which like everything rides on, they build it up so well. You know exactly mm-hmm. what they have to do, exactly where the danger points are, what they need to hit, what they need to do. And that way, when the third act comes, it's so satisfying because you're seeing them do exactly what they said they were going to do. And you're, yep. you're just sweating the whole time. You're like, all right, this needs to go perfect right. They set up the fact that it's like, okay, there's miracles that need to happen. Two miracles that need to happen. You need to hit yep. this and the other one, like you need to laser it and the other one needs to hit it. And you're like, oh my God. And yeah, the entire third act, like you were saying, it's like some of the most exciting blockbuster filmmaking I've ever seen. Like, can work. I, I'm going to, can I go on a little thing about like comparing it to the first movie? Cause sure. I have some thoughts about that. Go for it. Um, not in terms of like, which one's better, but just in terms of like things they did differently in terms of like technical lingo or stuff like that, because I noticed a bit of that and I'm going to, I'm seeing it again tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night. So I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to get some new information when I see it again. But sure. um, first and foremost, in the first movie, every time they go up against enemy aircraft, uh, if they're not referring to them as MIGs, which is the which was their technical term, they refer to them as bogies. Now, a bogey. This is something my dad. My dad is a uh, helicopter pilot in the Marines, but he knows a thing or two about like fighter jet flying because his his dad was a fighter pilot, uh, so he knows a lot about aviation and just a lot about the military. So. Sure. Uh, a, a bogey is what you call something on your radar that you don't know what it is. Like, so they're like up until a certain point, you can call it a bogey, but they continuously called it a bogey. Even after they were engaged in combat, they were like, this bogey's all over me. Well, if it's all over you, then it's no longer a bogey. Right. Uh, at, at that point, if you know what it is, you call it a bandit. So in the second one, something I noticed was when they were uh, doing, when they were flying through the trench, they were flying through the, uh, the Canyon. And then the, uh, the Hawkeye, which was great. Like the radar plane picked up on the two enemy aircraft a couple of miles away. And it referred to them as bandits the entire time. I noticed that. And I was like, Oh, thank Christ. Like they, <laughs> they didn't call them bogeys. I was so thankful for that. Right. Um, and then you got like, uh, like the aerial combat sequences, they uh, I mean, were incredible. I'm just going to say that like right off the bat, they were oh, fantastic yeah. to watch. But like the training sequences, while the formations were not entirely accurate, um, the original film, every time it showed them like in combat formation, like they were like right behind, they were like de- like directly behind the enemy they were going after. So like you see an A4 and then you see an F-14. You can't see my hands, but like I, they're right under each other. So at that point, you would have zero time to react to anything that they do because you're direct, it's like tailgating, basically. So they had them directly behind them. And it was just so impractical. Like you can't fire a missile from there. If you're firing guns from right there, then they're going to crash into you as soon as they lose their momentum. But then these ones, they handle it a bit better. Again, they're not like accurate portrayals of they're not 100% accurate portrayals of like dog fighting maneuvers, but they don't have them directly behind each other. There's actually some distance. So you can get like, like you have time to react. You have time to like counter whatever they're doing. So that's something I noticed. That's something I really appreciated. Um, 
but now in terms of like enemy aircraft, like I said, they used actual, like an actual model for an actual adversary plane in this movie, which was that of the uh, Sukhoi 57, um, which is not actually like in, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not in mass production. Like there's only 14 of them in existence actually. And they're not used in combat yet. They're just kind of Russia being like, look, we can do this. We made this. Isn't it so cool? fear us but they don't like have them in mass circulation like we do the f-18 or the f-35 um so but at least they used an actual enemy aircraft for this movie whereas in the first one uh they called them migs which is what you call uh, a different series of like russian and chinese uh aircraft uh and but again they didn't have the technology to cgi uh like accurate looking uh, MIGs. So what they did was they just created an entirely new airplane and they just painted an F5 black with a red star and they called it the MIG-28. They said it was like the brand new Russian fighter. Like or sure. They never actually said it's Russian. They always say the enemy. Uh, they're very vague about that. They don't want to yeah. alienate anybody. Well, yeah, they, they, they want to make their money in all the countries. That's what they're right. for. Yeah. So the fact that they actually used a real plane, they used... Um, actual things it can do there's a scene where it um does this absolutely bat shit like kickflip maneuver yeah it like flips around like 20 different directions flips onto its side that is an actual thing it can do yeah like that's not that was not made up for the movie it wasn't like to make it look cool like oh it's doing like these weird maneuvers in the air that no other plane can do no it can actually do that oh yeah russian russian planes russian fighter jets uh, have these things called uh, it's called thrust vectoring and what it is is the thrusters on the back of the plane can move around uh, so like whereas most of our fighter jets have to rely entirely on like flaps to uh, like maneuver and to get into new positions these things have the flaps which are a very very maneuverable their flaps like can like bend in all different directions but they also have these thrusters that can move around and push them not just forward, but also like up and down and to the side, they can move. Like it's absolutely bizarre. And I, when I explained this to someone I saw the movie with uh, the first time, they're like, why the, can I, can I curse on this by the absolutely. way? I don't know. Absolutely. They're like, why the fuck don't we have that? <laughs> yeah. And I said, we do have, we do have one plane that can do that. We have one jet that has thrust vector and it's the F-22 Raptor. Um, and it's used by the, it's only used by the Air Force. No other branch in the military uses it, just the Air Force. Um, but that thing, I've seen it at an air show. That thing can move like a motherfucker. Like it, oh, yeah. it, it, it's incredible. But I explained the reason, I, I know the reason we don't have that in mass production I might, because my dad told me. Um, and that's because those kinds of maneuvers are like really only practical in a dogfight. And at this point in time, we're not like the United States military isn't expecting a dogfight. Like we're not, we're, we are, we're not paying to prepare our planes for a dogfight because we know how combat works nowadays. And it's no right. longer like maneuvering behind for a shot. It's, it's just like who has the best missiles, who has, who can get there faster. Right. It doesn't really matter. Like who can get behind who it's just who can fire a missile from further away. Um, Which I actually think for this movie reason, like brings into kind of that, not, the movie yeah. kind of kicks into that because there's this whole thing right. where in the beginning of the movie, you know, Ma- Maverick's about to be shut down, um, like the Mach 10 uh, Dark Star, mm-hmm. that was called. Yeah. The like, Dark Star, yeah. 
that whole project was going to be shut down because Ed Harris, Ed Harris was like, oh, you know, we're going to bring in drones to do this whole thing. And the mission that they have to do can't be done by a drone. It's got to be done by them. And this, right. you know, it's kind of this whole like, oh, we need real pilots in order to do this thing, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, sorry. Continue. Well, no, no, that's that's that actually brings into a point I was going to make. And that is like, that's why the Top Gun school exists. Like yeah. Top Gun is an actual uh, school that exists in uh it was originally in miramar california but it has since moved to fallon nevada however in the movie i'm pretty sure like they filmed on location in nevada but i'm pretty sure in like the world of the movie it still takes place in california yeah yeah um so it's an actual school that and it explains it in the opening credits like that whole like title scrawl is supposed to explain why the school exists and it's because like after vietnam fighter pilots just became too dependent on their long their long range weapons their missiles and their uh yeah the, the yeah their seekers and all that so the school exists to teach pilots how to dogfight which is like to use like top gun like to use their guns to use not just their fancy tech but to like get behind a jet to be able to keep it like in its sights to uh fire your gun which is like an act, like, which is just a really high powered Gatling gun connected to these planes. Um, and they never actually do that in the first movie. Like the enemy planes fire their guns, but the Top Gun students all use missiles at the end of the first movie. So it was really nice to see in this dogfight them actually using their gun, which right. was great. And they actually had a couple kills with the guns. That was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, so that was something, that was another thing that I feel like this movie uh, improved upon with the original like actually using dog fighting techniques instead of just missiles, you know? Right. Um, that was great. I, 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 I really love this movie. I can't oh, yeah. wait to see it again tomorrow. Yeah. The, the way that the third act like continuously just gets more exciting as it goes on. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. could have, there's a moment where they could have ended it and you yeah. know, they bombed the thing and it's like, Oh my God, they won. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh no, these fighter pirates are coming in. They shoot Tom Cruise down and you're like, all right, well, yep. maybe he's dead. No, turns out he's alive. Miles Teller goes back and get it. His thing gets shot down. The two of them have to sneak onto an enemy base, you know, get into this other plane, fly away, you know, in this dogfight scenario. I was like, this, how much crazier can we get here? Um, yep. That whole stuff was awesome. But again, like the emotional element of this movie is so strong. Oh, yeah. There's a moment where, you know, they bring back Val Kilmer, Iceman, who, oh, you know, man has been, uh, Val Kilmer hasn't really, you know, he's been really sick recently. And they bring that into the movie as well. And it's just mm-hmm. this really, like, you know, touching scene that, like, drives home the emotional core of the movie. Um, and it's one of the most, like, touching uses of kind of bringing back the legacy characters as far yeah. as, like, this type of movie goes that I've ever seen. It treats the audience with respect. It's not like, you know, oh, it's Iceman! Oh, you know, oh it's God, a very, yeah. It's a very, it's a very quiet, calm moment. It's yeah, very, and yeah. it's very cute. You know, I got emotional. There's it is really cute. That's a good word for it. It's very cute. Yeah. Um, you know, all that stuff is terrific. But yeah, man, like what a triumph in all areas mm. here. Um, Amen. Instantly one of the best sequels I've ever seen. Uh, you know, obviously one of the best action movies. Tom Cruise is like our hero as far as theatrically released movies go. Um, mm. May he never stop. I love the guy. Great Gaga song at the end, you know. Yeah. She composed the score. Did you know that? She, yeah, uh, it was her, Zimmer, and Valve, right? Yep, her, yeah. uh, yep, Lady Gaga, Hans Zimmer, Lauren Balf all collaborated to score this movie, and I think that was incredible. And I listened, I listened to the soundtrack start to finish. Um, and I, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier, I love music in movies. I think it is such an important element uh, 
Uh, and the original has just such like, aside from danger zone and playing with the boys and taking my breath away, like the actual music that plays like in the background of these, of, of these scenes in the original movie, really touching stuff, like really great score. So I'm listening to the new soundtrack and they incorporate a lot of that old score into these new ones, like into ones you wouldn't even expect. Like there's, I remember hearing like a sting uh, from the original movie that was used in like when Maverick was mourning Goose. Like it was, it was like right after Goose died and he was, he, he was like beating himself up over it. And you hear like this really soft, like acoustic guitar playing in the background. And then I'm listening to this new soundtrack and it's during, I think it was the song uh, Dagger One is Hit. So it was like during the music that played when Maverick got shot down. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can hear uh, a sample of that exact same score. So nice. it's like it's taking it's taking a sad scene. It's like taking a sad song from the original and using it in a different kind of sad scene in the new but it's more for like suspense like in the new one it's used more for suspense and it was used masterfully i noticed like i I heard it and i was like oh my god i know i know what scene this is from the original right um so it's really like i thought that was incredible (laughs) and i would love to just sit in on like them scoring that that would have been incredible to see i am so excited for the blu-ray whenever we get let me get my hands on those bonus features and i will be i'll make a day out of it i will i will Um, they they said they filmed 800 hours of uh aerial footage i swear to god they better they better have like a separate dvd that's just of like all the aerial footage they shot like 800 hours of aerial footage that would be incredible good lord dude that's incredible yeah i mean i I, like i'm kind of i was at a loss for words when it ended i'm like that's what i'm talking about like cruz you knocked it out of the park you killed it i can't doubt you at this point every now and then he makes some bad decisions uh, as far as his movie selection goes um but like, dude, what a movie! What a movie! What a movie! Loved oh, it. Loved it. Fantastic. Um. Okay. So that will uh push us into the final stretch of the pod. Um, okay. you know, we're talking about Tom Cruise. Uh, and in doing so, you know, I love I love my little lists on this podcast. It's something I drag everyone into. Um, and so we are going to talk about uh our top five favorite Tom Cruise movies. Um, mm. now before we do that, um. What about Tom Cruise, like, stands out to you as far as, like, why is he the last remaining star? You know, like, what makes him stand out? Here's what makes him stand out. I've been thinking about this a lot recently, actually. While every other celebrity is, like, always on Instagram or social media, they're constantly, like, tweeting about politics. They're always talking about, like, what's going on in their lives. Tom Cruise never posts anything unless it's advertising his own stuff you have no idea like yeah he's a scientologist but he only ever like talks about that in interviews when someone else brings it up right um he's just he seems very professional and i've heard plenty of stories about him like as a person in non-professional settings and i under i've come to understand that if you're working with him you're probably going to have nothing but good experiences but if you like run into him just on the street and he's if he's like working on something you're probably not going to have the best interaction with him right because he's going to be very short with you but he's you have no idea where he falls politically you have no idea like what kind of stuff he supports what kind of stuff he's against it's so 
and that can be kind of scary, I guess, for some people. But for me personally, like that's just incredible. Like no I mean, one talks about it. And if, like Chris Pratt, people get mad at him for like not posting about politics. But Tom Cruise like has never posted about politics and no one brings it up ever. Yeah. I think because he's, he's just, Tom Cruise. Right. He's so like committed to the craft, I yeah. feel like, um, in every aspect. Because he's like right now he's putting his like physical health on the line in any movie yeah. he makes. You know, he's doing all of his own stunts. And I think that's part of the package now with a Tom Cruise vehicle. It's like, okay, right. watch me do crazy shit. And I'm like, I'm it. Yeah, like, say it's less. I'm already here. Can I, it's, it's, say exactly. less, yeah. Yeah, that new Mission Impossible move trailer was just a bunch oh of images God. with the score pumping through it. And it's like, you're going to go see this. Awesome. It was like choking me. And I was like, you're right. I'm, I'm, I, I will be there. I'm gonna be and there. it's 13 months away. Like it's it's over a year away, and they already released this like the I first think. trailer, and it looks incredible. Like I, I'm, you know I'm you're there going to see it. I'm there opening night. Yeah, uh, I I think they're like obviously you know he had a lot of uh, and even still like I, I don't know if I trust the guy, but I think after the whole couch jumping incident, he kind of really realized like okay, I need to focus on the career here and that make right. the career the public persona um, yeah. more than you know his religious crazy. Scientologist worldview um mm -hmm. but I mean yeah like and I think the other thing that helps him stand out at the moment is like we were saying at the beginning he has not done and like a straight to Netflix or you know Hulu oh. original movie his movies Never. are saved for the theatrical experience and he yep. will die before you know letting one of those <laughs> go to waste because like the only other argument you could have made against this before him as far as like you know the A-list actor right now would be like The Rock but I feel like The right. Rock ruin his chances with like red notice um in the fall regardless of what you feel on the movie i thought it was right. terrible but like the fact that okay he's just gonna let a huge movie just go to streaming i feel like that hurts right. um I, a little bit yeah I, I agree with that and even like gosling too like i would hold i don't know if gosling's like his level but like with the great man i'm like oh gosling's doing like a netflix original blockbuster that's a little weird um right but i i don't know i think cruz has this prestige around him where it's like all right look at me i'm gonna gun it i only i can do this and you're going to love it. And people also, I, I think another thing that makes him uh, one of the, like, like an a, like an absolute A-lister, one of the last big A-listers, is that people forget he's a good actor. Like, yeah. he's, yeah, like Maverick and Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible. They're very similar characters. It's a lot of, like, the same thing, like, every movie. But, like, you look back on Jerry Maguire. You look back on Magnolia. You look back on even... Uh, Tropic Thunder. Oh yeah, let's go. Like when here's I, I, someone someone said this, and I I never thought about it that way, but as soon as I heard it, I, I couldn't agree more. When Tom Cruise is acting as if there's no camera on him, that's the best Tom Cruise. Oh yeah, Ethan Hunt and Maverick, they kind of always feel like they know there's a camera on them. But there are a couple moments like in Top Gun Maverick and in like Fallout where. It's a very genuine, it's very like good performance. It's very believable. But a majority of the time, it's just like, look how fucking cool this is, you know? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing Absolutely wrong with not. that. Absolutely not, no. But then like, you, when he's, he's funny too. Like Very funny. There's, uh, oh, he just did with James Corden. And I'm not the biggest James Corden fan. However, when he and Tom Cruise do stuff together, it is actually genuinely very funny to me. Yeah, he did the whole uh, jumping out the plane with a parachute thing. They did, yeah, they, they jumped out of a plane. Like, that was for Fallout, and that was hilarious. And then just now, they did. Um, like, he took him up into the sky. Like, he took him up into his, in his P-51, and then he took right. him in the L-9. Um, 
so but it's showing like it's it's just it just feels like tom cruise being a dude you know right um and then like he's there are a couple there's a thing like where they're camping out the night before uh going up in the plane and then it just like fades in on like tom cruise like stoking the fire with the stick and it's just like it's one of those things where it fades in in the middle of a conversation he's like yeah so i was making cocktails and everyone was drinking cocktails so i just decided to call the movie cocktail you know and it was like so genuine and so straight faced it felt like something he would like actually say to like it was so like clearly like a joke and like right. made up but it was it felt very genuine and it got a real laugh out of me like seeing him act as if there's no one else around and he's just chilling for me is really great like that's oh, just yeah. fun for me uh, and he does that in his movies sometimes rock of ages i don't know if you've seen rock of yeah, ages yeah i've seen rock of ages he's the best part I, of that movie i don't know if i love that movie but he's, he's like the only good part of that movie he, yeah. he and julianne huff who julianne huff is fantastic i agree but he's like it's a role you would never cast tom cruise in no like a quiet rock star who's like horny all the time who looks at that and was like tom cruise yeah exactly <laughs> we're gonna get we're gonna get ethan hunt for this movie and he killed it he, he steals the movie he's so a good funny. singer yeah he killed it i honestly i kind of prefer his cover of wanted dead or alive over the bon jovi ver- yeah. like song i love, I mean, I love for that, but... yeah 100 um yeah. all right so we're gonna get into the list uh and here's right. how we're gonna do it you're gonna start off um okay. and you're gonna give uh you're gonna go five i'm gonna go five you go four i go four etc etc yeah. oh okay okay um, and are we giving reasoning or are we just yeah saying? yeah yeah so give okay. me you know give it give a couple thoughts and then we'll we'll gotcha. take it from there so all right so you're number five top cruise top cruise no uh i mean yeah that, i guess that works top cruise movie um shoot what you got my number five is uh oblivion okay all I, right i really like oblivion i think it is a very intriguing movie i think it's a very well done movie um I, I know a lot of people think it's uh, it's boring or it's like uh, it's very one note, but in terms of like acting, Tom Cruise actually gives like a, it feels genuine. Like it gives he gives a performance that feels like he really is confused. He really is lost because like the whole movie is he's just trying to figure out who he actually is. Um, and yeah, and it's it's directed by Joseph Kaczynski who did Top Gun Maverick. Um, so it's this really fun movie that feels very unique and very uh, fresh. And I just feel like it's really underrated. I think more people should watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Oblivion is uh, like really visually stunning um, for, uh, you know, the majority of the runtime, which is awesome. Um, And I, I, I think the more it goes on and you kind of realize what's happening, that could kind of make or break it for some people. Um, right. But I, I, I remember enjoying it for what it was. Uh, I have not, I've only seen it the one time, so I can't really oh, okay. confirm or deny anything. But I do remember uh, enjoying what I saw from it. And I, I agree with you. I think Cruise is sneakily very good in that movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, awesome. Okay. So my number five um, is a little movie from, you know, a little director named Paul Thomas Anderson. This is uh, Magnolia. Uh, okay. This came out in 1999. Uh, Tom Cruise plays this kind of very, very toxic, uh, you know, public speaker. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know. So the thing about this is, uh, I, I don't, this is not my favorite Cruise movie, but this might be one of my favorite performances from him. Um, okay. And it entirely relies on his charisma 
for the role for like 90% of it. And then the last 10%, it's like this really like gut wrenching emotional, um, you know, place that he has to go to uh, when the whole thing he's like, he's kind of got this trauma from his father and he needs to, mm-hmm. you know, forgive him for all this stuff. Um, and obviously like you can get lost from the 30 main characters in Magnolia, but Cruz like commits in such a way where by the end of it, you're like, man, Tom Cruise was something else in that movie. Um, this really feels like kind of an actor showcase for him. Uh, you know, like we were saying, it, sometimes there's a line between movie star Tom Cruise and actor Tom Cruise. And I feel like this kind of falls into the latter um, of okay. it. And he's very funny uh, in moments, okay. but uh, when the movie like needs him to gun it, uh, he's terrific. So yeah, that's my mm-hmm. number five. I've never actually seen it. I've seen clips. I know the clip of him like breaking down, crying and like smacking his hand over and over and again. Uh, I don't know the context behind that scene. Don't tell me. I want to watch it. But uh, no, I I believe that. Uh, Number four, Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's a different type. It's a Tom Cruise action flick, but it's a different kind of Tom Cruise action flick because he's not playing the like super sure of himself, cocky hotshot, you know? Like he's uh, he's a very high ranking member of the military, but he's never seen combat. He's never like he's never shot a gun. He's never like, you know, so then to see him like put into actual combat and just be this like pathetic, like wobbling mess for a little bit was very fun for me. And it was very believable, like for a man who's made an entire career out of being like the best of the best and everything he does. Like it was very believable to see him as someone who is just so out of his element. Uh, and it's just all around like a fantastic movie. I like taking the Groundhog Day uh, genre and twisting it on its head like that. That was really great. Oh, yeah. 100%. No, nah, man. Edge of Tomorrow rules. Um, I have more to say on it, but I will hold uh, and I will, um, you know, I might have something to say about it later on. Mm. Uh, but great movie. Love it. Uh, okay. So my number four, we're on now. Give me a second. Let me pull. There we go. Okay. My number four is uh, Collateral. Um, this is a Michael Mann movie, uh, and this is Tom Cruise and Jimmy Fox, uh, and they're kind of, uh, Jimmy Fox is this regular kind of ordinary Joe ca- uh, cab driver, and, uh, Tom Cruise plays this assassin who kind of forces, uh, Jimmy Fox to, you know, take him to all these, uh, hits that he's got to take out. And here, so kind of like you were saying with different con- Tom Cruise performances, here, this is the only movie where he's played like a villain. Um, just yeah. a straight up bad guy. And I mean, Tropic Thunder, I guess you could claim that maybe he is the bad guy in that movie, but he's being more funny if never. Tom Cruise is very scary in Collateral. Um, they established straight up that he will take anybody out like immediately. And so there's this huge tension of like, oh my gosh, like when's this guy going to snap? Um, right. And him and Jimmy Fox, like their dynamics really entertaining. Uh, the movie looks great. Um, like Cruise and Fox are at the top of their game. Uh, but yeah, I think... The fact that this is the only movie that we've ever had Tom Cruise play a villain kind of puts that right. in that tier and the fact that it ends up as good as it is. I'm also a big Michael Mann guy. I love the guy. His movies are always so cool. Um, but yeah, Collateral Rocks and it's got a, a batshit insane Mark Ruffalo like 10 minutes and he looks nothing like Mark Ruffalo. Um, but you know, huh. I love the guy. So yeah, that's my number four. Have you seen Collateral? No, I, I was going to say, like, you've picked two Tom Cruise movies that I've never seen before. Um, That's good. Hey, we have different lists. This is good. This is good. This is good. I I, uh, I do want to say, I actually just recently watched the trailer because I was looking at other Tom Cruise movies that I hadn't seen yet. Um, Collateral is one of them. It has been on my radar for a while. I didn't, like, just hear about it. Like, it's been on my radar for quite a while. 
Um, and yeah, no, I watched the trailer. It looks really great. And I, yeah, he never does play the villain there. I mean, there's a movie where he plays, he plays one of Hitler's like generals. I don't oh, know if in you ever Valkyrie? Seen, yeah. In Valkyrie. He plays a Nazi general, doesn't do any sort of accent, which I think is fine. I actually think that's fine. Cause like if, if, yeah, if, if he were to do, do an British accent, accents, I don't know how well that would have done. But like, if you're allowed to do British accents for like ancient Romans, why can't you do an American accent for a Nazi? Right. Exactly. Um, but he, he's not even a villain in that because he's trying to kill Hitler. Like it's right. He's not even a villain when he's playing a Nazi. It's so weird. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I, I need to see collateral. It's on my list. Oh yeah. It rocks. All right. Uh, you're number three. Number three. Uh, coming up at number three, we have Jerry Maguire. Nice. I love Jerry Maguire. I think it's, uh, I haven't seen it in a hot second. I should definitely check it out again, but it's, I mean, yeah, you got the, oh, you complete me. Uh, but then you got his his whole dynamic with uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Delightful. is so fucking funny. It's so nice to watch. Uh, his relationship with, uh, like, his wife in the movie, like Cuba Gooding Jr.'s wife in the movie is just so funny. It's just such a great, it's just great. And then you got the kid from Stuart Little. and uh, Oh, my God, oh my, you're right, yeah. He's a little, he's a little fuzzball. That kid, uh, he's jacked now. He could kick our ass. Uh, I don't nice. know if you knew that, but he is shredded. Um, but no, it's like I, and we kind of got a sense of this in uh, Top Gun Maverick, and I think we're gonna get a bit more of a sense of it in uh, uh, Dead Dead Reckoning, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part One. Right of Tom Cruise, like just in a relationship you know like like a rom- like it's a romantic movie like so yeah. you got his relationship with penny benjamin and uh top gun maverick and then you got like he i guess he retired at the end of fallout with uh ilsa but now he's back in it because you know no special agent can stay retired for long that's right um but i'd love to see i'd love to see more rom-com tom cruise rom tom cruise if you will um because <laughs> he's good like again he's a good actor like he plays that part believably and I, I think that's something we haven't seen in a long time and something i think we would all like to see again absolutely yeah i think jerry Maguire is one of the interesting ones because it doubles as both a rom-com and a sports movie and a sports um, movie yeah, yeah so it's really pleasing everyone uh all audiences there um no i agree the jerry Maguire is very funny uh Obviously, I think Cruz is delightfully charming as ever. Um, you know, his him and Renee Zellweger have really great chemistry. Him and Cuba Gooding are delightful anytime they're on screen. Um, yeah, no, I think it's great. Uh, you know, I, I the only thing I remember is I remember it being a tad too long at, at a place, but I might have been just tired as well, so mm. that might have been on me. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, like, even if you haven't seen it, moments in that movie are kind of so much in the... Uh, lexicon of culture right now because everyone knows show me the money everyone knows you have me at hello um yeah it's easy to see why this is one of his most iconic movies for sure so yeah yeah i respect it um okay so my number three is uh a few good men so it's a good one yeah man uh so i i actually rewatched this last night in preparation to make sure that uh, you know, this had solidified its spot. So this was uh, Rob Reiner directed this, who, you know, director of Princess Bride, Misery, what a run in the 90s. Um, so this has Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson, Demi Moore, Kevin Bacon, Hubert Sutherland, uh, as well as a bunch of other people. And this is a courtroom drama um, written by Aaron Sorkin. And oh my gosh, dude, this movie moves at like a bullet. It is so just tight structurally. It's so well written. Like, 
I'm literally the third act of this movie is perfect. There's no problems I have with like the last like 30 minutes of this movie because it's just so electric. Proves that Nicholson's face off is like one of the best moments in cinema oh, history. Boy. You know, uh, I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All that stuff is incredible. Um, it's just electric from beginning to end. And I don't know. It, 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 it's exciting. It's, uh, you know, it gets the heart pumping after a while. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think, and Cruz is, you'll come away walking from this movie going like, okay, Nicholson's the MVP, obviously. But mm-hmm. Cruz is sneakily really good because you have to match Nicholson when that moment comes. Like the script right. calls for an actor to just bring it home um, in that movie. And Cruz is working overtime to match uh, Nicholson's energy. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. Cruz is just, again, he, I think he's, he relies on his charm a lot in this performance, but he knows yeah. his shit as well. And when the time comes for him to, you know, kind of prove his stuff and defend uh, these two soldiers on trial, like, you're completely on his side. You want him to know it. And the thing they do really well is like, they give you, it's one of those movies that requires a lot of uh, exposition in order to tell you what's going on. But through that, you're able to understand exactly what's going on when the courtroom scenes happen. So yeah, right. if you good men love it, it's incredible stuff. So. Hey, you're good. Boy. All right. I'm back. Um, okay. few good men. I've seen a good portion of it. I haven't seen all of it. It was on TV at my grandparents' house uh, last summer. It was the same trip I saw the ending of The Manchurian Candidate. So there are two movies that I've been meaning to watch for a while that only I only saw the last couple, like 20 or 30 minutes of it. So I, I, I watched it from... I think I think it was a scene where like he was he wasn't walking in the rain where like he was going for a walk or something. Yeah, yeah, it was in the rain. Like, well, yeah. no, it wasn't the rain. It was like when they were like when they were at the house and they were like slammed. They like didn't know what to do, and it was like right before the big final, uh, like courtroom uh, meeting with Jack Nicholson before like the big, uh, you can't handle the truth scene. But I so I saw that from then on. Like so I, I didn't see the beginning. I didn't see any of that. But I do know the story. I know what it's about, and I agree that like his performance is just incredible in that movie. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Uh, all right. So uh, you're number two. So uh, I kind of cheated with my last, with my second and first. So Go for it. Because they're, they're both doubled. Um, so my number two is uh, Mission Impossible Fallout and Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Okay. All right. Uh, I think they are two of the, I think they're the two best Mission Impossible movies um, and they're just I because because Mission Impossible very much like Harry Potter like switches directors a lot so every movie has like a different style to it they have like different like levels of believability it's like the first one um, I can't remember who directed it DePaula uh, Brian DePaula yes DePaula sorry uh, he directed it and it was it was a spy thriller like you know it was just your basic spy thriller and then uh john woo directed the second one and no one talks about the second one yeah a good idea but lacking in execution well here's the thing i don't even think it was a good idea like i i i I didn't there's really nothing about that movie that i enjoy aside from uh the big fight scene on the beach yeah it's all in slow motion but like the knife a couple inches away from his eye like sure yeah tom cruise didn't need to have an actual knife that close to his eye but he was like let's do it for the audience you know right uh, the third one holds a special place in my heart. Not a lot of people like it. I love it. Philip Seymour Hoffman, incredible. Probably the best the villain most, of the series. Still. Probably, uh, I wholeheartedly agree, actually, with that. 
Um, because he's just so calm the entire time. Yeah. Until the end, and then he breaks, and it's just it's scary. Right. Uh, but then Ghost Protocol is Ghost Protocol. Like Love it's it. inc- it's awesome, you know. But then, but then Rogue Nation and Fallout are the old, they're the first uh, they're the first movies directed by the same guy. They're yeah, the McQuarrie. Only, yeah, Christopher McQuarrie, who also wrote he he helped write Top Gun Maverick. Uh, he's worked on a ton of other cruise films. Um, but he's create like he's capitalizing on all the world building that the other movies have done. Like all the other movies had a lot of the same characters, but they all felt disconnected from each other because they're all different directors and they're all different stories that never really tied in until like Ghost Protocol when it mentioned uh, his wife at the end and all that. But now these two are like they're capitalizing on all these uh past films they're bringing in old characters they're bringing oh i'm so excited for dead reckoning because they're bringing in uh kittredge from the first first movie like it's so cool but so to see like like fallout just the name like it's the fallout of everything you've done on any of these missions like it's a culmination film even though it's not even the last film right um so i think rogue nation and fallout like finally taking that step to like it's no long, it's world building, but at the same time, it's taking the world building done thus far and it's just expanding on it. So Amazing. it's super impressive and it's super well done. Like, great job, Macquarie. Like, fantastic. Um, and I'm so excited. <laughs> and now he's also handling both parts of Dead Reckoning. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm just, I'm so excited to see how he finishes off this series uh, because these two movies are just incredible and they're, I, I love them so much. I completely agree with you. This leads right into my number two, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. If you look up, yeah. if you look up the word adrenaline in the dictionary, you will find the movie Mission Impossible Fallout right next to it. This movie is like cinematic cocaine. It does not stop. <laughs> it does not stop for anyone. It like barrels through the entire time, and it is like we are going to give you a heart attack every ten minutes. Most Mission Impossible movies before then, it was a question of okay, how are they going to top the last one? Fallout right. every twenty minutes tops itself and immediately right. becomes like the best new scene in the franchise. Um, this is one of the movies where like right as the opening credits started. I was like giddy. I was like shaking in my seat. I'm like, <laughs> and then, you know, bum, 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 and you're like, let's go. Um, Henry Cavill is like a tank. That man, mm. the last thing I want to see before my death is Henry Cavill, like cocking his arms, his arms. and killing me in one punch. Um, and that mustache, that mustache that single-handedly destroyed the Justice League. It was worth it. It was worth it for this. So um, worth it. Oh. He's incredible. Like, the action sequences are, like, truly top tier. The helicopter sequence at the end is just, oh like, thrilling. It is thrilling. There are no words mm-hmm. to emphasize how exciting this movie is. Um, and, I like, I it had always been one of my favorites. And then I rewatched it, like, last week. I'm like, this is one of the best action movies of all time. It's like, just so great. This movie's elite. It's so good. Um, I am so excited for Dead Reckoning. I want them to happen so bad. Give me them now. Pretty please. With a cherry on Um Real quick, real quick sidebar. Sorry, before we go on to number one. Yeah. Uh, on the topic of Dead Reckoning, just there's this scene in the trailer. And it's so quick and it's so small. But for some reason, it stood out so much it, it really stood out to me and it's the scene where like the guy has he's holding like the three gas bombs in his hand he's got that cool like steampunk looking gas mask that uh covers his nose yeah uh, but then like when you just get the like the popping like it does there's no explosion sound but the music like 
They hit a drum every time something explodes. So you feel like it's exploding, but you're not getting the actual sound of something exploding. And then there's a shot where like the last one goes off and it's right in front of this woman's face. And she like just uncovered her face from the last two ones. And then right as she uncovers, this thing explodes right in her face. And it's not overacted. It's not like, oh, like she falls backwards. Like her face just gets like, launched back like it, yeah. it, like her neck just like snaps backwards and for some reason that stood out so much to me because it wasn't like over the top it wasn't like <laughs> this big explosion like it was so quick but it was still like terrifying like right. it, it, it just showed like how fast something like that can happen without warning and just yeah i, I it, it's really hard to um verbalize <laughs> like it's, it's hard to paint a picture of it over just audio but uh watch the trailer if you haven't already You'll yeah like i've about. seen the trailer eighty thousand times and i oh, might watch so it eighty thousand and two times by mm-hmm. the time this is over um yeah very exciting all right big boy time number one what you got big boy time this was another double up top gun and top gun maverick Attaboy. i feel like you know you can't you can't mention this top five without bringing it up and then for me personally you know it had to be on the top of course uh i've seen this movie I've lost track of how often I've seen this movie. It is, I will say, it's the only, top. the first Top Gun movie is the only movie I've ever watched twice in a row. Oh, there you go. Like, back to back. Like, not twice in a row, like, period of time, like, in between. Like, I finished it, and I started it over again. There you go. It's, like, I, it, I watched it when I was in preschool. Like, that's how young I was when I watched it. I know everything about this movie. I remember I got into an argument with my sixth grade teacher about its rating she was like it's rated r i'm like no it's rated pg she's like no it's rated r and i have no idea why she was bothering arguing with a sixth grader but uh then she looked it up and i was just standing there like what did i tell you she's like get back to work i was like you lost um but i just i love this movie and then the second one was just such a incredible sequel it's such a great successor it it, it took the it took what made the first movie great and it just like doubled it it tripled it it didn't even like it was so beyond what it needed to be if that makes sense like yeah. tom cruise did not need to fly the jets he didn't need to do all these things he did it because he knew it wouldn't have been good without it yeah 100%. well but well that even that being said like the first movie it they didn't actually like sit in those jets. They tried to, but then everyone threw up. So right. um, all the f- scenes of like the actors in the cockpits are on a soundstage. However, it's not a distracting soundstage. It's no. like, it, it. you still feel like they're flying. I feel like they did a really good job there. And if they had done that again, like I feel like they could still pull it off, especially with like the technology we have today. Right. Like they could have pulled that off. But no, Tom Cruise was like, get in the jets. You're going up. And it paid off like all those delays all those uh there's all the all the hard work that went into it absolutely positively paid off so i cannot say i i can't put one above the other or one below the other because they're just like for what they are they're both just so incredible film like such incredible films and i I, I am I'm excited to see what they do next. I don't know if they're gonna make another one. I on the one hand, I kind of hope they don't, but on the other hand, I would love to see a movie about Rooster. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I think that would be great. Yeah. But yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, what what else to say that hasn't been said? I mean, like obviously, 
like I think when people think of Tom Cruise, I think Top Gun is like one of the first things that goes into their head. Um, exactly. And for a reason, it's iconic. I mean, every you know, everyone knows. Again, as far as another movie where like the cultural lexicon, uh, a lot of quotes and a lot of moments are steeped into mm-hmm. that. Like everyone knows the volleyball scene. Everyone knows I feel the need, yeah. the need for speed, like all that stuff. Um, which just great stuff all the way around. Uh, all right. So my number one, uh, unfortunately, spoiled yeah. the tag. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. So, like you were yeah. saying, I I think this is a different Cruise performance, just in the way of again, he's a coward. Like he is not action man when this movie began, mm. and that makes for a fun dynamic. When you know throughout every time he dies and comes back to life, he becomes more experienced and therefore becomes more badass as the movie goes along. Um, and then the other key component to this is Emily Blunt's performance. Rita Fortowski, oh. maybe one of the best like supporting characters in any movie from the past decade. She's so good in this movie. She's um, incredible. Yeah. And immediately I'm like, okay, she's a star. Uh, and I wish like we would have some sort of like prequel for her character where, mm-hmm. you know, like we got to see what she went through with Verdun and all that stuff. Um, but I, I think it's really underrated. Uh, obviously, it's the Groundhog Day thing, but I think there's enough that they do in the movie to kind of keep it fresh. Um, yeah. And it's, again, it's very funny. There's a lot of uh, really good gags in this. Bill Paxton's in this movie for like, I don't know, 20 minutes. Uh, he's, hysterical. he's the best. Um, I love him. R.I.P. Yeah. And I think they do a good job. I, I, I think it, it starts stronger than it ends, but there's a really mm-hmm. good kind of second to third act twist that they throw in there where you're like, oh, shit just got real. Um, right. And I think I, I, I just find it so entertaining. I can rewatch that any day. Um, and they keep talking about a sequel. They keep bringing it up, and Tom Cruise. I know. Like, I don't know what's going to happen with it because I, Tom he's Cruise doing is the turning space sixty. Movie. He's doing the space movie. Well, what if that's what if that's Edge of Tomorrow too? I know. Who knows? I personally, I actually think that's Dead Reckoning Part Two. I don't. It's possible. I don't know. It's. I think I because what else? Like, you where do you go? go? Back, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like this is the last one, and he's he's got to go out with a bang. So I I. They haven't announced what the movie is. Or... Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm in the lounge. Um, because like, right? Like, what what else are you gonna do? Exactly. Fast and Furious went to space. That's where Tom Cruise needs to go next. Exactly. Yeah. And then uh, I and then you hear that he he stopped Paramount from making a TV show about. Did you hear about this? Like, yeah, they wanted to make a yeah. Mission Impossible TV show, and he was like. No, this has to be a movie, even though it started out as a TV show. Right, right. Um, so I, yeah, I think it's he knows what he's doing. You got to give him that much. He yeah. may be like so severely disconnected from reality, but he knows what he's doing. And I think the last point that I want to bring up is like one of his most recent failures, The Mummy. Uh, you know, ripped to uh, the dark universe. I forgot about that one. Uh, this was kind of Tom Green's attempt to like start his own franchise of connected <clears throat> movies and universes like that failed and i think at that moment on he knew like okay i have my lane i'm going to continue right. in this lane and i think that's where kind of how he got to where he is today and you know god bless him i will watch whatever he puts out from this moment like on i'm excited to see the last two mission boss movies they're gonna yeah. fucking rule um i was but, really excited for the mummy too i remember being like really excited for that i like the idea of a shared universe with all the monsters and stuff because we had that before and i think right doing that again but then they made the invisible man and now they're making the wolf man with ryan gosling uh i really hope it's the same director so i really hope those two things end up being somewhat connected 
Right. Um, but then I saw the I saw the mummy and I was so I was so sad. I was so disappointed. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Russell Crowe is Jekyll and Hyde. I think that was a low point um, for everyone. Uh, but, you know, I liked I, I liked uh, um, oh I, I like Jake Johnson. Oh every, uh, yeah, I mean it's hard not to like Jake. Johnson. I a, a buddy comedy duo you would never predict is Jake Johnson and Tom Cruise, but it worked. Pre- that was like the part of the movie that I thought worked pretty well. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. Um, anywho, I think that'll do it for this episode. Will, thanks for coming on, man. Ooh. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Blaine. Of course. It's always a pleasure. Happy to be here. Of course. Uh, yeah, so that'll do it for this episode. Be sure to listen to the Real New Podcast on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Anchor, Spotify, anywhere you find a podcast, we're there. Uh, tune in next week. We'll be back with another episode. We will see y'all later. Bye. Bye, everyone.